Coming up on today's show. It's week three of quarantine and we've resorted to recording cameos for each other. For $73, you can make Joe Thomas sing Hotline Bling into his iPhone. Cowboys All-Pro Travis Frederick crashes the show to talk retirement and Dak Prescott's contract negotiation. Tough stakes, missed homework assignments, and casting Joe Thomas as a Hollywood skinny guy. All of this and much, much more on a shorty but not highest award nominated edition of the T-Homahawk Show! Welcome, quarantining ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show. Hey, how do we describe ourselves for the Tomahawk Show, Joe? Would you tell somebody, do you say you host it or did you say you created it? Because I'm, I'm doing a new thing where I say I co-created it. I'm just saying I'm the executive producer and I keep it simple because that's okay. ambiguous, right? So yep. and this is what I've learned as I've uh, sort of <laughs> dipped my toe into the Hollywood scene that you are so, so well accustomed to being that you're an Oscar winner. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, that you can say executive producer and nobody really knows what that means. But most yep. people on the outside think, whoa, this guy must be in charge. He is like the shit. But... He could be like an absolute nothing in the grand scheme of things with with the TV show or with the movie. And so I figure that the easiest way for me to say is I'm just the executive producer. I like that. That's perfect. So I go co-creator to make sure like that's very cut and dry. But you're exactly right about executive producer because an executive producer could have done literally every important part of a film or they could have done absolutely nothing. And that's right. I've, I've hit EPs on, on every level of that. Um I actually did get nominated for another word award today, Joe. You ready for it? I don't believe you. I swear. I'm going to tweet it. I haven't tweeted it yet. I got nominated for a shorty award. Do you know what a shorty oh. award is? Is it anything that has to do with heightism? Because no. if it does, I will not fall into your <laughs> trap. You will not trap me as being a heightist. <laughs> That was good. Um, yeah, there's. I don't know if there's an award that I fit more perfectly than this, but the shorty award is for like everything on the internet. Um, And they've actually grown to be a pretty big deal, but it's like for best like brand, best use of Twitter, uh, best use of Twitter video, Instagram, everything you can imagine that has to do with uh, digital content is a shorty award. And I am a finalist for best use of Twitter video for my players arriving at the stadium video. And I'm going going against um, Trevor Noah. Oh, Godzilla. (laughs) <laughs> Blues Clues and Camilla Cabello. So I don't think I'm going to win, but that is still great company. And, and I'm a Shorty Award nominee. The fact that two of the five people that are finalists don't exist uh, leads me to believe <laughs> that this is not really an award that you can it, actually win. That I feel like you made this up and then nominated two people that I'd recognize and then two non-humans. Just so am, you have even with chance. two fake people in there, I am still the most least known person. It's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm really happy for you. You've been doing some amazing stuff online oh, with you, your Twitter. Like, especially now that you've got all this free time, I expect your digital short game to go through the roof because yeah. when you had no time and you're traveling all over the country, <laughs> you were putting out some epic stuff. But now that you're literally doing nothing and sleeping in your mom's basement for the next two months. Uh, there better be some pristine content coming out of that King of Digital Media's account. 
Trust and believe. I'm, I'm in here cooking up. I wrote an entire parody song yesterday. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, I'm, my juices are going, man. How have you been doing? I've been doing good, but since you said that, I need to hire you for something. And you got to tell me how much you're going to charge per hour. But okay. you are so much more creative than I am. And since you already <laughs> made a parody song, I'm going to give you a little background, right? So this past week was spring break, supposedly, for my kids and a lot of uh-huh. kids throughout the, the world. And we were planning on having a nice trip to Jamaica with the family. And, of course, that got canceled. Um, and... When we go on spring break trips with the family, we always do a talent show, right? That's uh-huh. kind of something that's funny and we get the kids involved and everybody does something. And you can do whatever you want, but you basically have the floor for 30 seconds to as long as you want to entertain the family. And it's really kind of a fun thing. It gets people out of their comfort zone, especially a bunch of stiff white folks from the Midwest who have <laughs> no creativity and are so afraid of awkward moments. Uh, it could make them die. Don't but, be teasing our guest. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, so we didn't go to Jamaica this year obviously because of coronavirus. And so last week during spring break was up and down, but I want to hire you to help me make my talent for the talent show. I like it. Whenever we get together with the family for spring break, Easter, whatever the next family gathering is going to be, we're going to have the talent show and I need Hawk's creative mind to come up with something amazing. I would love to be the executive producer of your talent <laughs> show. <laughs> yes, that I will, would be amazing. I will send you a proposal to give you my hourly rate. Um, my right. new my new thing is I don't walk out of the house. I don't do any extra work for less than fifty grand. So that's where we'll oh. start. Um, oh, family mm. functions are no different. But we'll oh. talk. We'll offline. We might be able to work a deal out since we All know right. each other. All right, sounds good. Hey, I, did you did you do the homework? Let me start by saying I didn't do the homework. I didn't watch the Vice documentary that you told me to. You and son I, of a bitch. I know. Um, so I'm gonna go to you, and I'm I, now I have to do double homework because I mean, as a Columbia grad, I am very used to missing used homework to assignments. Pulling all nighters. Oh, <laughs> I'm used to copying homework. Um, <laughs> did did you watch Trading Places? So I can proudly report that after watching it for two nights. I have made it two thirds of the way through the movie and tonight is the night that I finish it. And I tried so hard, but as you know, I'm kind of an early riser and early to bed and I just get so tired at the end of the day. These kids, especially being at home all the time, just wear me so thin. And so by the end of the day, like eight o'clock, I'll, I'll turn the movie on. And by like nine o'clock, I'm blinking really slowly and I'm stopping. <laughs> I stop comprehending what I'm watching. And so I've watched two installments and I love it. I got to be honest. It's a great movie so far and I can't wait to finish it. Uh, yes. Eddie Murphy has Valentine has just taken on the role full time where he's like in the office and everybody's taking his advice because uh-huh. he's just killing it. And that's, <laughs> that's where I'm paused right now. So I got like 45 minutes left. I know. I love it. So the fact that you're watching it in uh, like it's a docuseries is hilarious to me, number one. <laughs> it also makes it a worse experience. So the fact that you love it and you're still docuseriesing it tells you how great of a movie it is. We have to do a parody. Yes. When you finish it, me and you are going to do a Trading right. Places parody and it is going to break the internet again. I think I think that would be perfect because as we both know, the lives that we've been living the last couple of weeks couldn't be any more different. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, if you want to interact with our show, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram at Tomahawk Show. Facebook group is the Tomahawk Flock. And call our voicemail. Drop us a message. Let us know what you've been doing 
during these quarantine times. 440-628-1376. Check us out on Uninterrupted's YouTube page. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, you see that today's podcast is also in the video format. So what has been keeping you busy this week? I've been doing a lot of development work of ideas. So I, this is what I, this is my prediction of what's going to happen. Um, all, all, every content platform that has that houses like series and movies, they're going to be worth quadruple the amount. I feel like it's going to take people a while to get used to going back out in the open. They're going to be excited about it. Um, but I feel like over this time period, they're going to be hooked to just ingesting content and because of that, I feel like all the creators are locked in dungeons and they're writing scripts. They're developing shows. There is going to be, when we get out of this, everybody is going to have brand new shows and it is going to be an awesome era of TV and content. Think about how competitive that space is going to be. Because you're taking all the brightest minds in the world that creates content right now, like yourself and not me. Yeah. And you're locking them in a room and saying you have nothing else to do, no distractions besides your kids right? Uh, who aren't going to school right now. But yep. come up with something interesting. And so you got to be really, really good right now to be able to, once this is over, be able to publish something and get eyeballs. I'm hoping that off the backs of this, I will be able to sell at least two TV shows. That is my goal. I want to create oh. two TV shows that get sold. So how are you casting me? That's what I want to know. Because uh, let's be honest, I, all I talk to you for is what I can get out of you. What's in I it for can, me? So they're developing the movie on my story still. And I had you written in as a cameo to that movie. But you're not even equipped as a person to play yourself because you've lost 80 pounds. So whereas I had you written it as a cameo of when I come trial for the Browns in 2008, I now have to go find an actor and pay them because you can't realistically depict your own self. How wild is that? Can I be the random good at blocking but bad at everything else tight end that <laughs> is on the team? No, Gary Barnage is playing himself. <laughs> but I drink so Just much kidding, more Gary. than Gary Barnage. And I, I eat know. other things besides cheese pizza. I've never had a season in the NFL as good as Gary Barnage's has. And he's a tight end and I'm a receiver. Yeah. How BS is that? That's pretty amazing. Uh, speaking of cameos, uh, both you and I are on the cameo platform. Yeah. Um, I'm actually an, a seed investor, which... You know, maybe someday of course I can, you are. It makes so much so, sense. Yeah, maybe someday I can drop this crappy podcast and uh, <laughs> live the good life in retirement somewhere in the islands, like that billionaire that posted a picture of his coronavirus quarantine. Did you see that? No, I, don't know, I, didn't. I, I forget what his guy's name was, but he like posted on Instagram. This was a news story, of course, because I don't have Instagram, but uh, <laughs> he posted like quarantine life. Hope everyone's okay. We're gonna get through this together. And it was a picture of. Him on his 300 foot yacht, like in the middle of the Caribbean, <laughs> and he just got absolutely blasted, you know, because I know 99.9% of the people are going through really, really hard times, like the hardest of our generation uh, from now for the foreseeable future. And um, he's out there, like, kind of, he was just so tone deaf to the mood of the world right now uh, by posting that. In a way that it was like, hey, I'm there for you guys. I'm thinking about you. Uh, it was pretty bad. So he actually went private after that. I think his name was David Geffen or something like that. David Geffen, know, that makes sense. I don't know what he got rich for, but uh, it was interesting. But so isn't, he, for me, isn't he a team owner? 
right. Oh, we got a visitor here. Oh, hey. That's the cool thing about Zoom. We got to start using this more often where people could people can just drop in. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Most famous person that you have saved in your phone. Peyton Manning. Wow. Rob Gronkowski. You know, he's going to get that nut. <laughs> CJ McCullum. CJ Joe Thomas here. First of all, pleasure to speak to you, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Family. You notice how much he perked up when he heard Joe's voice? Well, as we said, Hawk, we're recording on Zoom, which is kind of fun because it's like, having a buddy just drop by usually when you call somebody on the phone when you're ready but with zoom travis just all of a sudden uh, bum rushed our conversation so we got travis <laughs> frederick here uh recently retired cowboys center former wisconsin badger thanks for being on the show travis yeah thanks for having me i'm excited about it you guys uh do this zoom recording often or is this your first time this is our first time doing zoom so when, when you just busted in like the kool-aid man it was a it was a little bit surprising but it was fun it's it's, it's a lot better this way it feels organic I was a little nervous i didn't know you know there was going to be some audio recording there was going to be some technical stuff behind behind it so i thought maybe i needed to get on early so that i could get that taken care of for you but you guys are all over it true no true problems. true wisconsin man so before <laughs> before the viewers or the listeners got a chance i guess some viewers as well got a chance to see and listen to the conversation you guys were talking about Joe wearing his old ass Wisconsin shirt mm -hmm. and he had <laughs> Joe tell the story. Who, who were you with when you got to college? Who was who was a sponsor of your jerseys? So when I first got to college, we were actually Reebok and they still had some of those leftover Reebok shirts that you wore underneath your pads. And yeah. it was those Reebok midriff shirts, you know, where they were kind of cut <laughs> at like the second ab pack area so yep. you could like show off the belly button and they were like that really heavy polyester so like each shirt was four or five pounds but the best part was the shoes that they had back in those days like a regular size 12 shoe was about 13 pounds and so the transition <laughs> to adidas when i first got there as a freshman was like a huge step. It was like going from the Stone Age to being like one of the Jetsons. Uh, just having <laughs> equipment that was under 25 pounds felt pretty amazing, and everybody made a big deal about it. But now, as most people know, Un Under Armour is a uh, apparel sponsor for Wisconsin, and we're much better off. Myself, okay. I was an uh, Under Armour guy my whole NFL career, still am, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's some fan fantastic stuff. If you guys yeah. can guess who my sponsor was for my team, I went to Toledo without Googling. If you can guess who sponsored our team when I got to Toledo, I will donate $100 to each of your charities. Russell Athletic. Damn it. That was actually really good. <laughs> yes, because Russell sponsors all the no-name Mac schools. I knew it had to be them. That was fast, yo. I'm very impressed. I'm I know, really Travis, impressed. Travis, do you even know what Russell Athletic is? Have you? Ever I know, uh, of course. I okay. think we had a lot of Russell Athletic uh, gear when we were in high school. Like, that's what we <laughs> okay. bought from cheapest, yes. you know. We we definitely weren't uh, rolling out with any of the major uh, major brands <laughs> in high school. That's okay, for sure. We were, we were Russell. Also, and I don't know if players still do this, they understand, like, when you would get, when, we, when I got to school and they would give us our stuff to use, they were used. So like it was like Oh yeah. The gray shorts that people use as almost underwear sometimes. Ooh. That we would get old versions of the players that graduated before us. It was pretty Ooh. disgusting, man. Yeah. Look at thinking back, that's probably 
contributed to a lot of germs being spread. <laughs> Just put it that I mean, way. They had to have been washed, right? They had to be taken care of. I, They're I, not going to give you something that's that super grimy. I hope. I, I mean, even steel, though, like. Maybe. I love how Travis is not surprised at all that you're wearing another man's underwear. He's just <laughs> surprised that you thought that he thought that they weren't washed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a pretty commonplace thing. I don't know. Uh Things go through the laundry. You share socks. You share oh. grays. It is what it is, right? It's disgusting. <laughs> anyway, that's a, maybe that's an O line thing. We just yeah, we just exactly used to that 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 grime. We're much closer because we do bump into each other's behinds, and uh, we bump yeah. into each other a lot more. There's a lot of uh, sweat swapping when you're on the O line. You're just smashing yeah. into each other for three hours a day during practice. Absolutely. Plus, I have that nice. I have that nice extra, uh, you know, level of intimacy. So you can't, oh. you can't gross me out. Oh yeah, you know, no, yes. The, <laughs> the sweat, the hands, the whole deal. It's, it's a, Woo. it's a great thing. That's very true. That is very true. <laughs> uh, Dak and, and Tony Romo have gone places that no man has gone with you before. This episode is brought to you by HP Plus. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. We got Travis here on the Tom Hawk Show. We appreciate you joining us, man. Recently retired, man. How does it feel? That's my very first question. How are you feeling? I tell you, uh, I feel relieved. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and uh, it was tough. You know, it's it's a tough decision to make. Um, you, you try and weigh all the options and, and see where you're going to be. But uh, I've spent the last probably three months going through it, and it's been a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Um, so now it feels like the world's off my shoulders. I feel like it would have been that way either way had I decided that. I wanted to play or had I decided I wanted to retire. Mm -hmm. Um, But that that stress, that weight of the world feeling is is off my shoulders and Mm. um, it makes me feel good. You know, unfortunately, we have all these other situations occurring. Everyone's uh, locked down. You can't be leaving the house or anything like that to to celebrate or go get some food or dinner or something (laughs) like that. But uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. I feel like the end of my career was a bit similar to yours. I dealt with um, a bunch of knee injuries. Uh, You dealt with. Julian Barr, which is a really terrible autoimmune disease that you were diagnosed with uh, late in your career. And mm-hmm. for me, I, I totally agree. It was the biggest stress relief ever when I finally made that decision to retire. Because for somebody like yourself, I can imagine your entire life, you've never stopped, you've never retired, you've never quit on anything. And right. there was no part of your brain that understood that someday you were going to have to make a decision on when enough was enough. And so going through the agony of dealing with an injury or a disease like you did, and weighing that against trying to continue to play the game that you love that has been so good to you for so long, mm-hmm. it's it, it just tears you up inside. And so for really for two years uh, of my life, the last couple of years of my career, as I was doing uh, knee surgeries and different procedures to try to get as much out of myself as I possibly could. (laughs) You start getting to that point where like every day you feel almost depressed because you're, you're not able to get back to your old self. You're not Mm -hmm. able to play at the level that you want to or train or do those things that you feel Mm -hmm. like you need to, to be on the field. But at the same time, you don't want to give it up. So for you, 
I can totally understand the sense of relief and excitement that you feel getting that weight off your shoulders. But was there one thing that led you to make that decision to understand that right now is the right time to step away from the game? I think it was a culmination of a lot of different things. Um, when you go in and you sort of make all the lists and charts and everything about what makes you want to stay and what makes you want to leave and uh, where you're at, I think as I mentioned in my statement, and as you said, there's there's something about not being able to get to the level that you expect of yourself. And when whether you believe that the level that you're currently playing at is good enough to serve the team is one thing versus, you know, being as good as you think that you can be. Mm-hmm. And I always said going in that I didn't want to get to the point where um, I couldn't leave on my own terms and I didn't want to get to the point where I was a, a problem and needed to be taken out or asked to leave. You know, I wanted right. to, to be, be near the top and, and get out um, and try and be as healthy as I possibly can be. And so after going through what I went through last year and, and making it back and going through the year, and I felt like I got better through the year and got to the end of the year and was playing well again and uh, got selected to the pro bowl, which I'm so fortunate to, you know, I thought that was a great cap for, for the comeback. And, and, I felt like I was ready. I was ready to move on and, and spend a little bit more time with the family and get to do some things that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, that football, with the amount of time it takes, just restricts you from being able to do that. Did you feel like you were less than 100% last season when you did come back and play after being diagnosed with uh, Julian Barr? And you actually missed an entire season I did. and then came back. And I think that was one of the most surprising and yeah. incredible shows of perseverance was you missed the whole season. And I think a lot of people probably expected you to retire and you came back and then yeah. you played really, really well uh, and then decided to retire this year. So when you came back, did you feel like you were less than a hundred percent? I never felt like my health was less than a hundred percent, but I think that taking the year off was difficult. I think mm-hmm. that's what, what, what I struggled with a little bit. And, it, and in, you could see through the season that things were getting better. And I think it came down to the muscle memory and the neurological connections that you make there. And that when you see a, a look and you make a mistake on that look, or you're slow against it, the next time you see it again, as a good player, you, you don't make that mistake again. You, you know, what's coming, you feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is defenses are different. And every defender is different. And so until you get to the point where you start to see those patterns again, you're not repeating those same mistakes or same situations that you were in. So if you play the first three games and they all play different defenses, let's call them A, B, and C, the fourth game you might play A again. And now you've been through some of those situations that you were before. Mm-hmm. And so when you take a full year off, you lose that continuity between A, B, C, D, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to start over. And so I think that's where I found myself was early on in the season. I wasn't doing the things from muscle memory that I previously was able to. I had to think about them, causing me to be a little bit slow and causing me to be a little bit behind. But I think as the season went and I started to see things again, uh, that's when I really started to to pick up the game. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your disease and what you deal with on a daily basis? <laughs> Because I know there yeah. was a there was a really interesting video uh, when you were mic'd up on Monday Night Football where you were talking about how you couldn't feel your hands and your feet and and how I can only imagine as a center who has to snap the football and move and as an yeah. offensive lineman, your feet are the most important thing on your body, even more than your hands. And I don't think people sometimes always understand that. So uh, how is that affecting you? Yeah, so it started for me, um, it was at training camp. It was the, the first day of training camp. I started to feel some numbness in my toes. 
And I thought it was a new tape job or my shoes were, weren't fitting quite right. So I didn't think too much of it. But that numbness started to go from my toes to my feet and up into my ankles. And it got to the point where when I'd get out of bed in the morning, I had to really like feel my feet on the floor to know that, that I was on the floor. I couldn't, I couldn't feel the feet under uh, the floor underneath me. And so I started to look at things and I was thinking, okay, well, old linemen have back issues. That's pretty normal. You know, maybe there's a, a disc issue, but I wasn't having any other issues that went along with it. And then I started to get the numbness in my fingertips and it went up into my hands and into my arms. And it got to the point where I couldn't feel the ball in my hand. I was playing with it, uh, but I couldn't feel it. And, and by that time, my legs started to get a little, bit, a little bit worse and it felt like I was always running in quicksand. Um, Joe, you know, this feeling when you wear one of those, those knee braces, um, and and you wear them all the time and your legs get really tired and your calves um, hurt and it's like hard to run. I was having that feeling all the time. I'd take my knee braces off at practice and throw them away and try and run. And I couldn't, um, and then I was in the weight room trying to do some stuff and realized that I was having some, some strength loss and I was getting these, I was getting stingers where normally you get hit in the head or the neck and it causes shooting pain. Um, and I was getting those without any contact. You know, so it was a, it was a really weird mm. situation. So we went and started to look at things and um, my strength continued to deteriorate. Um, we figured out what it was. But by the time that we did, uh, my strength had really fallen. And uh, I mean, it got to the point where I couldn't uh, I couldn't do toe toe raises like a double leg toe raise. I, could, I had to do assisted. I had to use 150 uh, pounds of assistance to, to do a toe raise. Um, I was having a hard time walking. My hip muscles couldn't stabilize. So my hips swayed when I walked. I, I sort of had to walk with a limp. And I think at the worst point, um, I couldn't get, it was too difficult to walk down to the lunchroom. The lunchroom is probably like 200 yards from the locker room. So there's days where I wouldn't go eat because it was too hard to go all the way down to the lunchroom and get the food. And I couldn't open a water bottle. You know, I really couldn't Jeez. hold a fork to cut a steak. You know, I was, I was so weak. Um, I wasn't able to do a lot of those day-to-day tasks. And then you come home and your kids want you to pick them up and uh, take them up to bed or anything like that. And it just, at that point, wasn't safe for me to be climbing the stairs while holding my kids. And um, it was, there was a lot of dark days. There was a lot of times where I'd go in and, and just bump against that ceiling. The best thing that you could do in my situation was try and keep as much muscle around as you possibly could, you know, don't let it atrophy, um, but your brain's disconnected from that muscle. So um, what muscle is connected, you try and work. And luckily I was able to work with uh, a strength coach that had dealt with this before, um, not necessarily the, the Guillain-Barre itself, but um, he helped somebody that had recovered from a stroke mm. um, and was doing the same sort of thing, reconnecting those muscles and, and getting back to playing shape. So um, I had a lot of support on that end and the trainers were excellent. Uh, we just continued to push until I made it back. Well, first off, you talked about not being able to, to cut a steak and you definitely wouldn't be able to cut through my steak, Travis. I like it. I <laughs> oh, like no. I like it. Well done. Um, uh, no. <laughs> but plus. But, <laughs> well done plus. Um, but I mean, going going through that, like so you're going through that. Right. And, and I dealt with concussions. Right. And mm-hmm. I went through a season where I had two terrible concussions within like three weeks. So, so bad that I got put on IR mm-hmm. and I had to make the decision of whether to hang it up in that moment or come back. Now, I ended up coming back and play a season, as did you. And, and I feel like even your situation is a lot worse than mine was in that moment. What were the conversations like within yourself or with your family to say, like, OK, I'm still going to come back and play even after not being able to walk up the steps with my kids? For me, I got a lot of information from doctors and research and, and everything. And 
the the thing that most people have in common after struggling with this is that if if it if it doesn't cause you death um, from from suffocation uh, after it attacks your your diaphragm, it yeah. stop you from breathing. If, if that doesn't happen, you start to make the recovery. There's a huge percentage of people, like 95 percent of people, make it back to 95 percent or better because uh, mm-hmm. your body once your once your body gets itself back right, or you get the medical help to get it back right. Um, your body just has to rebuild the connections that it lost, um, and, and effectively, what it the, what it does is it's uh, if you look at a wire, uh, wire is copper that is covered with that plastic sheet, right? So if that plastic sheet wasn't there, um, it would sh- the wire would short out in, in your walls. You know, it wouldn't mm-hmm. ever get to where it needed to because it would short out, and so effectively, your nerves have that have that same thing, and this disorder eats that. Um, it teaches your immune system actually to eat that coating off of your nerves so they short out before they get there mm-hmm. however that coating can be rebuilt and that's that's what happens o- over time it gets rebuilt the connections start to move faster and faster until it gets back to normal so i mean joe kind of even teed it up before you even got on the call about how how smart of a guy you are and that level <laughs> of respect he has for you so whenever joe retired um which was after me you know, we said, you know, we're going to take over the media world. And we did that, Travis. Here we are. We have the number one, <laughs> the number, the number one podcast in the in the galaxy. Uh, <laughs> so for you, a, a smart guy who is excited about the, his newfound freedom, what is next for you? You know, I've been working on a couple of things off to the side. And I think, number one, the thing that's next for me is is spending time with the family and being back around. Um, we're working on building a house back up in Wisconsin. Mm. Uh, so moving back up to the promised land. You uh, guys love it up God's there. God's <laughs> country. Who needs warm weather? Yeah, exactly. You know, you have these things called seasons up there. Uh, we don't get a lot <laughs> up here in Texas. Uh, so so I, I enjoy that. Um, you know, maybe I can convince Joe to let me go out to his land and hunt a little bit. Uh, I'd enjoy that. And uh, you We'd know, love put him on pressure here. You know, maybe we can get the fans to help pressure him to let me come out there. Um but also, you know, I run a foundation and I want to be able to spend a little bit more time uh, working through that and, and trying to help the kids that we're, we're working with there. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of interest in doing other things, getting back into the tech world um, and working on, on computers and, and working in the business world a little bit. So I'm excited to, to just try that out and, and see what it's like. So you finished your, your, your last season, you made the Pro Bowl mm-hmm. um, and, and, you, and you retired on top again. There's so many parallels between us because my last season, I signed with the the, the Patriots for three weeks and retired a Patriot. So <laughs> very similar how we both ended up on top. Is there any like accolade or anything like in your career that you're like, man, I wish I would have done. I wish I could have accomplished this thing. Like for Joe, it was winning eight games in a season. Um, <laughs> so for you, was there anything you're like, man, I wish I could have done this thing before I called a quits in the NFL? Yeah, I think for me, number one is win a Super Bowl. Um, just that's the ultimate goal for so many teams. And, and, and generally when you come into the league, that's what you're looking to do. And, and we weren't able to do that. And, and that was one of the hard parts about retiring this year is I feel like the players that the Cowboys have on the roster and in the direction that they're moving, mm. the new coaching staff, I, I, I feel good. I feel like this is a year that they have a chance to compete for that. And, uh, you know, I had to, I had to walk away from that opportunity, but, um, they're so fleeting. There's only a certain yeah. number of players that get a chance to to win a Super Bowl. And, um, you know, it was time for me to move on. But that's the one thing that I wish that we'd have been able to accomplish. Mm. Have you had any conversations with Jerry and Stephen Jones about maintaining a relationship with the Cowboys, either professionally or as an advisor or in any capacity? 
you know, I got a chance to talk to him. Yeah. You know, when I retired, I called him and, and let him know it was, was happening, what was going on. Unfortunately, we couldn't meet in person uh, because of the restrictions down here, but um, they both mentioned that they were willing to have me around as much or as little as I want. You know, the Cowboys organization does a tremendous job of supporting their alumni and uh, providing opportunities for them uh, to be around the fans and to be around the game. Um, so I may or may not take advantage of that, but I, I don't see myself uh, moving into any sort of coaching role or anything like that. Um, I, I was I, one of the one of the benefits of retiring is that you get more time. Uh, and, <laughs> know, uh, maybe the yeah. fans don't. But the coaches have much less time. Right. For less money, yeah. too. That's, that was yes. my big yes. thing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm taking Coaching. a 15 times pay cut and have to work seven <laughs> times the amount. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't coaching role. The year that I was out, they allowed me to be a, a quasi coach. So I could go in there and, you know, work with the players and help with some of the stuff. But then I got to go home at the same time as the players. So <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, uh, I didn't have to stay until yes. midnight you know, working yes. on the game plan stuff. Joe had, the same, Joe had the same thing the last three years of his career. He only showed up <laughs> on game days. He had 16 <laughs> days of work a year. He showed up Sunday, played, and went home. I, when I, you're I as good as Joe Thomas, you can show up on game day. And play. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Speaking of a guy who is really good and almost a coach, uh, Jason Witten, uh, one of your teammates for a very long time, <laughs> he has recently signed with the Oakland Raiders, yeah. which caused a little Las, stir in Cowboys. Las Nation. Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. Joe. The former Oakland Raiders. The there you current, go. <laughs> we think Las Vegas Raiders. Um, were you surprised that he ended up, signing with the Raiders and con- decided to continue his career out there rather than either walking away or trying to do something back in Dallas? I'm not surprised. Um, I know how, how difficult it was. We talked several times when he was moving into the media world and was going to take that job um, at his former employer. You know, we had talked about it that he's like, ah, I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to turn it down. Like, I just, I want to play. I want to win one. I want to work with you guys, you know, as long as I can. And, um, a couple of weeks later, I heard that he had taken the job and I was surprised. And we talked about that. And he's like, listen, there's there's got to be a life after football. And, you know, this seems like the easy transition. You know, this is this is where you head. And um, but I think the time away made him appreciate being able to do it, made him want to do it even more. And mm-hmm. luckily, we got a chance to have him back this past year. And, and it was great. I enjoyed getting to play with him again. Um, but you can see it in his eyes. He's a guy that loves the game and loves the game for the game. You know, he loved being a cowboy and I'm sure he will always be connected to the Cowboys, but he loves the game. And if he has the opportunity to go play the game at a high level somewhere, I think he's going to continue to do that. He had an incredible chemistry with Dak, right? And and when Dak, especially when Dak like burst onto the scene. So I I thought it was awesome and perfect for him to come back to the Cowboys because that's something that Dak was missing or like, you know, it it took him a little while to get used to not having Mm -hmm. Jason Witten there. So now he's gone again. Dak is still searching for his big contract. Do you have predictions on will they get this done and when do you think they get this done? Or do you, give us some insight, man. Why haven't why hasn't it gotten done? You know, I think everything in the media is uh, probably on the right tra- on the right track. I think yeah. at this point it's a matter of how long the deal is and mm-hmm. I think it makes total sense. You know, when you talk about the TV contracts and when they come up and how the TV contracts affect the uh, affect the, the cap, you know, it, it makes total sense that you want to make it work that way. And it also mm. makes total sense for the Cowboys that they don't want it to meet up with those TV contracts, that they would right. like to have a little more time with them under a certain contract. So um, you definitely see both points um, equally being made. Um, so that's probably where there's some stuff there. But 
Um, I think it's been clearly made on both sides that Dak would like to play for the Cowboys and that the Cowboys would like to have him. But ultimately, this isn't a game about what everyone likes to happen. And yeah. there aren't people that are going to compromise on certain things because it's your livelihood. It's it's the livelihood of your entire family. Oftentimes, uh, for some guys, it's about how much good you can do in the world and, and things like that. And I think Dak is one of those people that – He's thinking about a lot more people than just himself um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a deal like this. I, you see a lot from the fans, you know, oh, it's so much money. How can you possibly turn that down or, uh, you know, quit arguing over uh, whatever it is. And it, it's so much bigger than that. There's so much more that goes into it. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that it's important that people understand that and that it's not just him that that's he's thinking about. Dak led you guys the last few years, and you guys had one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL. You were topping rushing yards, passing yards, points. And for some reason, there was a disconnect because you guys didn't have a record that matched up with how good you were from a statistical standpoint on the offensive side, but also on the defensive side. You were so intimately involved with those offenses. Where do you think that disconnect was, and why do you think there was a disconnect? You know, before this last year, I would have told you that it was it was a matter of scoring points. You know, we ultimately weren't scoring enough points. The 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 whole point of the game is to end with more points than the opponent. So it didn't matter. I like that. I'm going to write that down, Joe. You're right. He's a <laughs> he's a genius. Let me write that down. <laughs> it, it, it didn't matter. Uh, you know what, what the situation was on defense, and our defense was playing well. Um, and we just weren't weren't able to to score as much as we want. You know, there was a lot of times we were getting a ton of yards and getting down there and kicking a field goal um, and getting a ton of yards and getting in the red zone and, and puttering out and kicking a field goal. And, and so I think that was generally the issue. But like you said, points scored was one of the best things that we had going for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but it came down to the close games. This past year was a really interesting season when you looked at it statistically because games that we won, we won big. And then games that we lost – uh, we're tight games. And so it was a matter of being able to play in those tight games and come out um, with a win. So I think in that situation, it came down to being able to have the game plan work effectively um, as a whole. You know, it's got to be offense, defense and special teams, and it's got to be able to work together to win those close games. You, you got to be able to do something in the fourth quarter uh, to get that win. You guys in Dallas just got rid of Jason Witten. He'd been there for a decade and hired a former Wisconsin guy, Mike McCarthy, who is the head coach of the Packers, won a Super Bowl with the Packers, is now the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Did you have any communication with him since he's been hired? And what kind of successes do you think that Mike McCarthy can have as a Dallas Cowboys head coach? And is he the reason you retired? Be honest. (laughs) He's not the reason I retired. Okay. We can put that on record. Uh, Got it. I, uh, I talked with him just very briefly after his press conference. Um, You got a chance to say hello. We talked about how snowy it was in Wisconsin. You know, it's very brief. Um, And and then at that, I know this is like he could be on our podcast. Yeah, you know, I have I have a lot of really insightful things to say. uh, No, but so we. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk. And then uh, in the off season, I often go in and work out really early. Uh, I try and get in and get out before my son goes to school in the morning so I can take him to school. Um, and so the coaches weren't in quite yet. I, I continually missed on them. And um, on weeks where I was able to actually be around, oftentimes they were either traveling or out of the office or whatever. So we just never really connected. And then by the time that 
things started to work and we were going to be spending a little bit more time together um, that we got locked down here and, and put in quarantine. So, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to him very much, but I do think he's going to be successful there. You know, he's got a track record for success. And, you know, with any coach in any league, I think um, there, at some point things start to to slow down for you, you know, in your current situation. And it, um, it, at some point you need a change. And I think change oftentimes can bring up people's best. Um, and really interesting stories about what he was doing in the off off time. You know, he had that year off and he spent it looking at the trends in the game and looking at analytics and looking at how to better plan things. And and that's just really interesting to me that he had a year and instead of taking that year and um, you know, focusing on himself or focusing on something else, he was back in football continually trying to hone his craft. And so mm. I think that's one of the things that uh, the Jones family really liked about him. But also, I think he's a really good fit. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how the new coaching staff is able to blend with the players, especially having a, a shortened offseason. Um, you know, normally for a new coach, you get a couple extra weeks of OTAs uh, and mini camp and stuff. And uh, by the way, things look right now, there may or may not be any offseason. So yeah. it's interesting to see how that might get handled and how that affects people's transition uh, with these new coaches and potentially new playbooks, et cetera. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate that, Trav, man. So like you said, Mike McCarthy doesn't get to work early enough. And that was a big reason why you decided to hang the cleats up, man. We appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk Show, brother. Congrats on your retirement and an incredible career. Best of luck to you in the future. And you always have a place right here on the show, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. My guy. Thanks for coming on, man. All right. Take care, guys. Before Travis barged in, Joe, you were talking about Cameo, I believe, if I'm... Yes. So we were just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze about what we've been doing here as we've been locked down. And I said, I am an investor of Cameo. And Mm -hmm. it's been interesting because I don't know about you, but the Cameos have been bonkers nuts. I've been getting like... Really? Five to 10 every single day. And... It makes wow. perfect sense, though, because you think about all the people that usually are getting together to celebrate things in life. Yep. So birthdays, anniversaries, you get a job, uh, divorce parties, uh, bachelor parties, all the fun things that you get together and you either commiserate together or you celebrate together. And people can't get together anymore. And so you want to do something nice for the other person if you can't get together. And it seems like a lot of people are reaching out to the Cameo platform. So uh, that was partly a little bit of a humble brag because yeah, what would good, be really awesome right now is if you told me that you haven't had any Cameo since the lockdown started. And yeah. I'd be so pumped. <laughs> I haven't had literally zero Cameo. No. So actually what I was going to do last week before I found out that you were a seed investor and now I'm definitely not supporting that brand. But <laughs> before you told me that, I was going to put it on Twitter last week. I was going to... so. Background. So what is your what is your cameo price? Let's advertise here. I think you're at like seventy five bucks. Well, so I, I'm usually around, you know, one sixty, one fifty, but because per cameo, the, holy hell. Yeah, because of the coronavirus craziness, I yeah. thought that you know it'd be nice to cut it in half, give more people an opportunity, more access. Mm-hmm. Um and partly, you know, because I thought there'd probably be a lot of people like, hey, I can't come to your birthday party. I can't do something with you anymore. So right. I would love to buy a cameo, buy a shout out um, from these other people. And so dropping the price, I felt like was appropriate. And so now I'm on your level, I think, because you're you're like, what, 
85. So I'm no, 73, I, right? I, I just randomly picked that number. So I, I did 50 to start. I had no idea what Cameo was. And I started to get them. And I started to like forget to do them and lose out. And then I was like, I'll just do 25. And then there were so many that I was like, oh, yeah, no. So I raised it up to 100, yeah. basically like, okay, I need to, if I'm going to do this, it has to be worth me doing it because I don't feel like doing it. And I'm a perfectionist, so I could I would redo the videos like 100 times. Yeah. It would take it, it started not being worth it because how long it would take me to do one video to get it perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I raised it back up. But last week I was going to drop it to zero and oh. just tweet out like, hey, I'll do cameos for the next couple of days for free. Anybody wants a shout out, let me know. Tough times for everybody. If this can make anybody feel good, let me know. So I'll probably do that this week. Yeah. Even even though you're a seed investor and I don't yes. get any residuals from this. Well, if it's zero, if you do zero dollar cameos, there's no money going to me anyway. Oh, so yes. I'm going to start a trend then. All <laughs> the problem is do zero dollar cameos. <laughs> the problem is, though, you're going to get so many requests and then when you don't fulfill them, people are going to get super pissed because <laughs> they're going to be expecting you to give birthday presents and anniversary presents and all those things where it's kind of like, hey, I checked it off my list. I don't need to buy Hawk a gift. It's his birthday, <laughs> but I bought him a cameo. And then when you don't fulfill it, they're going to be so pissed and they're going to hate you more than if you would have just kept the price normal in the first place. So that's why I picked 73 so that it was high enough where I wouldn't get too many that I didn't have time to do them all. Because like you said, like you want to do a good job. You want to make sure that those people feel like you're spending the time and you're giving right. them something of value. You don't want to just read whatever they say and just say, hey, whatever, happy birthday. You want to put some thought into it. And so it takes a little bit of time. It takes some effort. And so in order to kind of have those lines meet at the appropriate spot of how many cameos I can do in a day and the price of which you get that number of cameos, it has to be more than zero. So you need to do like $5 or something like that. I'm going to go zero. I'm going to go zero so I can bankrupt your company. And then also <laughs> I'm going to try to, I'm going to start bartering engagement. Like, Hey, if you give me 10 comments on my Instagram pages and 10 retweets, I'll do cameos. I'm going to start not doing cash and bartering social media engagement. Doesn't that just make you like one of those trolls, those bots that are <laughs> yeah, just going to eliminate your account? The exactly. king of digital media is going to get deactivated on Twitter. I'm, I'm trying to turn Cameo into a spam site so that you don't reap any of the benefits of a perfect time for you to be a seed investor in this company. No, that's awesome. I'm going to I'm going to order a cameo from you this weekend. Yeah, I'll order a cameo from you, but only if it's zero dollars because five <laughs> is way too much. I would never pay you five dollars to say anything to me. <laughs> I know it. As the executive producer of this show, you have it yet. <laughs> All right. So I think what else do we have to talk about? I feel like we've There's covered a lot. literally no sports whatsoever <laughs> going on after free agency. There's literally nothing to talk about until the draft. And I feel so sorry for those everyday sports radio guys that yeah. have to cover like three or four hours every day, five days a week. And there's literally nothing going on. I mean, we're fortunate because we do a one day a week podcast for 90 right. minutes. And even not, we don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> right. Can you imagine what it'd be like doing this every single day for three hours? I, I My hat is off to those guys. We just did a scouting breakdown of a movie that came out in like 1987. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, okay. Well, next show, I am going to finish my homework of watching the Vice documentaries you're going to finish trading places and we're going to give a full breakdown i probably well let's even do a on uh airtime is this airtime or screen i don't know on screen synopsis 
of the movie Trading Places. If anybody listening, go watch the movie. It's an incredible movie. It's a classic. You are missing out. So I think what we should do to kind of finish the show here for this show, and then maybe who knows if it's popular, we can keep doing this for as long as we're in the coronavirus lockdown. But um, give a little tip out there of maybe something that you've consumed content wise, whether that be Mm -hmm. a Netflix show, a documentary, a movie, whatever it is. Um, that people should go check out because lots of people have time to watch their screens right now and there's not much else going on. So my tip for the day is there's this great documentary on Netflix called Somebody Feed Phil. It's a really funny show. The guy from, I think uh, he created Everybody Loves Raymond. He was the executive producer. So whatever that means, he might be like the guy that holds the lighting, but he's really funny. And he travels throughout the country and the world, going to different destinations and eating their food and, you know, talking to their people. It's a little bit kind of like the Anthony Bourdain was, uh, but with a little bit more humor. And it's just a great show to check out. And it's about right. 45 minutes, which is perfect for me because over an hour, as we've <laughs> yeah. talked about with Trading yep. Spaces, I fall asleep. So places, 45 yeah. minutes to an hour is perfect. So check out Somebody Feed Phil. What about you? Um, I literally have not watched one thing during the quarantine. How is that possible? You have not watched something on your phone. I mean, Instagram, like one people's personal videos, but I have not watched a series. I have not watched a, a movie. Is there a good follow on Instagram that you've enjoyed? A good follow on Instagram. My favorite follow in all of social media is Spice Adams. Okay. You familiar with spice items? Uh, oh man, I know spices. I've got a big cabinet of great spices for my food, but so you've actually probably played against Spice Adams. So Spice Adams was an NFL defensive tackle. His real name is Anthony Adams, nickname oh, yeah, Spice. I know him. Yeah. So you, wow, you've been living under a rock. So basically, yeah. Spice retired from the NFL, and he's become, not even kidding, one of the funniest people on all of the internet. So he started doing the funny videos that I do now. He probably started doing them like in 2011. He has over 3 million followers across platforms. He plays these characters. People don't even realize he's a former NFL player because he's transitioned doing that stuff so much. And he just does these hilarious videos all day, plays these characters. um, And like, seriously, he's he like kills it. So you got to tap in with Spice Adams. Well, there you go. That's perfect. So check out Spice Adams on Instagram and whatever yep. hell else he's on. And uh, <laughs> check out Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix. And there you go. I think that about does it for the Tomahawk Show. Um, I'll give you a chance today. Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to final thoughts next episode. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>